Welcome to Soul Sessions with Creative Mind with Deborah Burnt Maldonado and Dr. Rob Maldonado of Creative Mind. Join us each week for an inspiring conversation about personal development based on Jungian philosophy, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Spend each week with us to explore deep topics in a practical way. Let's begin. Hello, welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with Creative Mind. I'm Deborah Burnt Maldonado. I'm here with Dr. Rob Maldonado. Nice to be here. We are continuing our series on mind body, the mind body. And before we begin, I want to remind you all to uh, subscribe to our podcast if you're listening to iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast hosting services. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any episode. If you're on YouTube, there's a little button here in the corner you can click. And subscribe to our channel and get even some bonus videos and meditations that we post here every week. But today we are talking about the three reasons why the body hangs on to weight. So we're going to talk about weight management, weight loss, uh, dieting, and the mind-body connection. So what are the three, Rob? (laughs) Yeah, let's dive in, right? Yeah. Uh, Genetics, an important factor, of course. Uh, conditioning, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about culture and experience, uh, and then the emotions and uh, how we think about food and what kind of relationship we have with food. And I'm an expert, basically, from this, uh, not only because I've had my own weight challenges as uh, mm-hmm. early in life and body image stuff, but um, when I was a hypnotherapist, you know, one of the main things that hypnotherapists, uh, the big attraction is weight loss. And I've personally worked one-on-one with thousands of people on weight loss. And uh, one of the things I noticed is it's not about dieting. It's not about changing, going to the gym more often, calories in, calories out. There's something else going on. And the first question I asked them is, when, what age did you first notice that you started gaining weight or that you started thinking that your body wasn't good enough? And that where you started this kind of idea, I have to diet. And every person has, uh, mm-hmm. unless you don't really deal with weight and it's never been an issue for you, but if you struggled with weight, there's that moment. So think about that if you're listening uh, to this, um, when you're listening, think about when was that time when I first looked in the mirror and said, ooh, or looked at the scale, or someone made a comment about your body, and boom, it starts some emotional connection. So we're going to get into that today. But let's start off with the genetics. Uh, we all say, ooh, my genes. Right. <laughs> it's the genes. Blame that it we on have the to genes. Blame it on the genes. But why are genetics a powerful component of our weight management? Yeah, so in... In psychology, there's been uh, a long-standing debate. It's called the nature-nurture debate, mm-hmm. meaning uh, is it genetics or is it the environment uh, that we grew up in? Uh, the end, uh, let's say the latest uh, consensus, it's that it's about 50-50. Uh, half of our, uh, our weight comes from our genetics, and have from our cultural and environmental conditioning. So it's like a roll of the dice in a way? Very much so. Mm. Uh, Is that why like some siblings would not have an issue with weight and some do because it's that kind of cross cross genetic uh, dice game? (laughs) (laughs) Something like that, yeah. Yeah. 
we don't get to choose our genetics, uh, meaning we don't get to choose our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we we do the best with what we have, right? Mm-hmm. And we because the other fifty percent is our uh, our environment and our conditioning. Certainly, as a, as adults, we can set up our own environments mm-hmm. uh, to where they benefit us. Yeah. So uh, we. In other podcasts, we talk about genetics and epigenetics, so we wanted to focus more on uh, the conditioning aspect of it. We know the story begins with Pavlov Mm -hmm. and with food, because he was looking at how dogs uh, get conditioned around food, Mm -hmm. right? The old salivation uh, experiment. He understood or, or he discovered, essentially, that the environment, the things that are happening at the moment that the food is presented, have a powerful leave a powerful imprint on the dog's mind. Mm. So that if you ring a bell right before you're going to give uh, the the dog the food, the dog learns that that bell signals the coming of food, mm-hmm. and begins to salivate even before the food arrives. So the body starts tr- being triggered by uh, that preparing for to eating just by the sound. That's right. So you'll notice whenever you try to skip a meal or, or, or you have to skip a meal, around the time you're used to yeah. eating... You look at the clock. Yeah, you're, you'll start to get hungry. The mm-hmm. body is conditioned... Uh, to receive food mm-hmm. at those those times, and that's why travel is so disruptive as mm-hmm. well because uh, you you're stepping outside that pattern. I know, especially when we international travel, and and it's like three o'clock in the morning or two o'clock <laughs> in the morning for us U.S. time, and we arrive and they're serving breakfast, and you're just like, I'm not really hungry for breakfast because we're off track there, and um, and so we have that, but also. Um, we're conditioned around like just family and we uh like i think food uh, from what my experience too working with a lot of people on weight is there's this, a celebratory aspect of food and so there's this environment of when the family gets together it's time to eat and there's a good feeling around it and so we yeah. start to uh condition ourselves at dinner time that's when we all get together unless you had a not a good dinner time that it could be he would have an adverse reaction to food, but most of the time, yeah. there's a celebratory, connective group um, connection that you get around food. Yeah, it's certainly a bonding experience mm-hmm. for most of yeah. us. Uh, the f- bonding with the family members, bonding with your mates, uh, your, your friends, all those experiences are conditioning elements that uh, your your mind, body holds on to, and rightly so. But now if you think about uh, the, the negative aspects of that, mm-hmm. that if you're conditioned around the family to eat unhealthy foods, yes, I was gonna say now that. you're going to associate fried chicken or greasy, fatty, Ice or cream, sugary foods yeah. with that feel-good mm. emotion of bonding. Well, I remember as kids, if you finished all your meal... You get a dessert. You get to have a dessert, and if you don't finish your meal, you don't get dessert. So everything is about uh, the feeding, and you know, actually, there's been some research with um, breastfeeding 
that if a, a, a woman, w- when a baby's breastfed, it's conditioned to eat only when it's hungry. Mm. Uh, when it's bottle fed, it's fed to- At a certain time. Yeah, at a certain time. And then you always get the same amount. So the, the mother's like, finish the bottle, finish the bottle. And so it, there is a big difference too, like early in life, well, that conditioning, so powerful. Um, also the media, think about how the media, not only our family conditions around food, but the media, like how glamorous food can be on commercials and uh, in magazines and um, just uh, billboards as you're driving down the road and you're taking a road trip. There's that beautiful sign of a juicy burger there. Yeah, back in the 30s, uh, there was a famous psychologist uh, named, um, um, not, it wasn't Skinner, it was Watson, uh, earlier than Skinner. So Watson, after he... Uh, finished his uh, kind of his training uh, in university, uh, he went to work for Madison Avenue, Mm. the Mad Men, right? Mm -hmm. The advertising companies. And uh, he really pioneered this idea of, well, let's use behavioral principles to uh, advertise. So certain colors make people hungry. And then if you go past a restaurant, you smell the food. If you ever noticed that, you, they pipe the food out on purpose when you go to the these. Smell. Yeah, the smell. It's, uh, not the food. Yeah, you're right. The smell <laughs> of the food. So when you go by, you're like, hmm. And even that guy who did the, the, he ate McDonald's for 60 days or something. He said, like, everything that they do is psychologically making you crave that food still. Oh, right? the supersize me. Supersize me, yeah. So we have that. But also on the other side of that, as a woman, I have to say that, well, I'm sure men have it too, but I think women have, a, you know, have it worse with the uh, this idealized body that the, the, the media wants you to eat, 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 but then it tells you, but you have to be super thin, stick thin like a model where you look almost like unhealthy, but that's the ideal body. And, um, and really, I think too, in Instagram and a lot of these um, uh, social media uh channels are really reinforcing that these get more clicks if you have this perfect body and the perfect yoga body and um and and so we're we're giving these mixed messages of eat 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 but also you have to have the perfect body so it causes a lot of conflict within us uh this kind of desires like it's conditioned us to desire this body that our body with its curves isn't enough uh is wrong and and um and we need to like look a certain way and then also but you have to enjoy food because you, you can't not have food and so that's also a way we're conditioned this is yeah. we're conditioned to emotion feel guilty for being overweight but also conditioned to eat and so it sets us up for failure are you looking for a satisfying career as a life coach if you are seeking a deeper path of training and growth creative mind university offers an icf accredited life coach training program that goes beyond surface positive thinking and into a powerful process of real transformation. You can start your new career as a certified life coach trained in a unique methodology based on Jungian theory, Eastern spirituality, and social neuroscience. Get the tools to become your true self, change your life and the lives of others. Visit creativemindlife.com Click on apply and speak with one of our team members today to discuss your future and possibilities of becoming a certified life coach 
That's creativemindlife.com. If you think about uh, children, uh, and most of us grew up with television and and the media, of course, uh, now the internet, Mm. but I, you know, it's it's not a big deal when you think about adults. Okay, we can manage our our consumption and mm. our uh, Sometimes. behavior. <laughs> yeah, but as children now, we're conditioning them to crave sugar and to mm. crave uh, unhealthy foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, like you say, giving them that message that you should have the perfect perfect body. Mm-hmm. So it's setting up people to have this internal conflict with food. Mm. So there, it's not a great mystery that they, all these eating disorders are popping up in the, in the so-called westernized world mm. because it's, a, it's an internal conflict that we're setting people up for. To want food and crave food that is not healthy for them, not good for them uh, at, at all levels, mm. At the same time, to have these uh, perfect bodies that are idealized and unattainable, mm-hmm. and so, so we have this conditioning. We we're getting so we can't just say, you know what? I decided I'm not going to listen to the media anymore. I'm going to love my body, and I'm not going to listen to that commercial. And and so we can't consciously just recondition ourselves. Uh, we could try. Uh, but it's it's not on a conscious level. So what we need to do is go deeper, and that's the emotion and the unconscious. Yeah, because if most of us have tried to change uh, behavior patterns, right? Mm. Uh, diets or, or going to the gym or you know changing something about our lifestyle, and we know it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Why is it so difficult? Because conditioning is occurring at the unconscious level. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think about emotion, that that's where it's at. It's it's much older parts of the brain, uh, much deeper than our cognition, our ability to think through things. It's it's unconscious in in the sense that if we look inside our mind, we don't see it. We see our thoughts, or we hear our thoughts, and, and that little voice and stuff. But we don't really get to the core of the conditioning, which is an emotional assumption about who we are and what the nature of the world is. And also what food is associated with. So, or dieting or being a certain shape. So when I was doing hypnotherapy uh, on weight loss, I saw most of the, and this is men and women, there's a lot of emotion around starving and not eating. And like many of my clients would say, I go out to dinner and everyone's getting dessert and I don't get dessert hey. and I'm being punished, right? There's this, mm. this kind of emotion around, like I, I, I've been a bad person and I, I can't have this. Um, there's also what very, very common is the relationship with men for women is that they don't have, uh, they when they started to develop in puberty, they got the wrong attention from family members. They might, it could even go into abuse. Uh, or even just attention or comments around their body that they were getting too much attention. It didn't feel safe. So that when they gained the weight, there was some kind of feeling of safety. And many women that are overweight, uh, I don't know if men have the same thing, but the women I've worked with, they had this idea that they're, they're kind of invisible. And when they started to lose weight, we would work together and they would start to lose weight. 
they would start getting comments and they fall off they, mm. the resistance would hit in I'm like there that's it you you don't want to be seen and so there's a it's beyond just dieting it's this what is your emotional trigger what is that emotional uh, drive to keep you in this pattern it's and it's a protective mechanism it doesn't mean something's broken within you it's that your mind said let's do this so we can keep this because this makes you feel good and emotional conditioning, as we know, is moving you away from pain to pleasure. That's right. And so to get at the emotions and to get at the unconscious mind requires a little bit uh, deeper work mm -hmm. than, than simply trying to shift your thoughts mm -hmm. from negative to positive. It, it requires really understanding what an emotion is understanding that uh, emotions are neither negative nor positive they're simply uh designed to tell us what the meaning of things are Ooh, i like that yeah and they imprint on us unconsciously because we feel every moment of our lives we're feeling something but most of the time we're not thinking about what we're feeling we're simply saying well that's that's just the way things are right we're just experiencing life and so you're saying that it teaches us what things mean, but it's really not, in essence, what things mean. It's just what we've been conditioned to think what things mean. Right. Again, if you go back to those associations, so if I grew up in a family where it was a happy time to mm. sit and have a great meal and, and mm. uh, bond with each other and have a great time, those uh, are imprinted in my mind body. Mm -hmm. And... That's how I relate to food in some mm. respects. But most of us didn't have that purely that experience. It was a mixture of things. Uh, and also that if the those kinds of foods that imprinted on me were not the best for me or mm. are not the best for me now, perhaps. Like that craving, like I feel like I have ice cream or I feel like I want chips or yeah. whatever that is that you, you crave. Yeah. There's something associated with that emotionally. Well, it's like you said, right? If mom was giving me milk and cookies to to soothe me, uh, now uh, I associate sugar and sweetness with that soothing mm -hmm. and that loving attention, which is not really the healthiest for me. Yeah. But I might uh, use sugar now as a soothing mechanism. You know, a lot of times our, the women I've worked with uh, and men, they... Um, would have like a kind of a troubled household, like there was fighting or the parents were strict or critical. And then they'd go to the grandparent. And guess mm -hmm. what? The grandparent is always like throwing the rules away. Here's cookies, here's the treats. When I'd go to my Nana's, she would give us a Dr. Peppers or Cokes in the bottles. Remember those? And the pinwheels and the sugar, and that's what we ate. And so we were always associated with the treat and that kind of feeling of love, unconditional love that a, a grandparent mostly has than the parent who's the disciplinarian. So we start to crave that sense of emotion, like that emotional connection, that love, and food becomes love, food becomes acceptance, food becomes uh, bliss. And then why would we want to rob ourselves of that emotionally? Yes. When we go on a diet, then we're, we feel like we're being punished again. and we're So it's not even conscious. Yeah, and there's another factor is that food is not as good as it used to be. So, oh, yeah. uh, food was healthier in the past, mm -hmm. and now uh, most of it is processed. Mm -hmm. And so, when we're eating, perhaps the it looks the same, perhaps, but it's not the same quality. 
then we get into trouble as well. Mm-hmm. And so when we go to, so we're craving this love, we're craving this connection, we're craving feeling good. And we get these mixed signals with food is delicious, and but look thin, and we're mi- mixed up with that. No wonder two thirds of the U.S. is overweight. I mean, it's it's a problem, and I think globally, uh, on the Western world, we we people have these issues. I think in the U.S. it's the wor- worst, and certain parts of the U.S. are even uh, terrible. The the pat you could see cultural. Um, cultural issues like uh, the joke of LA is everyone's like super thin but no one eats <laughs> and then in the south you know there's there's like you, you can eat and you can be round and it's okay and so there's this all this stuff happening but what are we really how can we we change like besides working on the emotion there's something even deeper and that's the spiritual solution and I feel like most of the reason why we are don't our unhappy in life is a spiritual hunger we're not really wanting the sweets we're wanting something deeper yeah I, it's certainly one of the elements uh, that uh, uh, the research points uh, points out uh, but first of all let's say we want to address this situation uh, the first thing to look at is the genetics mm. you don't necessarily have to understand all your genetics but if you look at where your family comes from, their uh, uh, your ancestry, perhaps, then you start to get some ideas of what were the traditional foods mm-hmm. that uh, your particular group uh, ate, mm-hmm. and what was uh, their environment like. Mm-hmm. And often, those foods can be very beneficial for you because. Mm-hmm you inherited those genes and mm-hmm. and then you kind of grew up with that tradition and your body is designed to feed off those those mm-hmm. foods mm-hmm. so it's a good idea to look at your your genetics and to think about what those cultures uh, ate and mm-hmm. what their lifestyle was about then you uh, you look at your conditioning mm-hmm. your family the way uh, the traditions in the family, well, what was going on around the meal uh, time, uh, around was the dinner table. Was there even enough food for everyone, too? Right? Yeah, those are also important uh, aspects, of course. If if there was uh, hunger or lack or, or just poor eating habits, you can be pretty sure you, you your mind took note of it somehow. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily that you picked up those habits and that you're acting them out now, but that they're still in your unconscious and you're still reacting to them somehow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. But also the emotional root of, of like individually, what does food mean to me emotionally? What is, um, what am I trying to, what is, what, why does it bring me pleasure? Um, and then some people actually have it reversed where they're so, they push food away almost like they hate food. You know, they, they can't, they don't enjoy food because their pleasure is tied to a certain look of their body. So it can lead to disorders as well. So you can swing both sides where you, you actually are afraid of food. Good point, yes. Mm. So, yeah, the, the whole nature-nurture piece, right, is you want to look at both sides, your genetics and then how you were conditioned around food, meaning 
What meaning uh, are you ascribing to food? Mm. How are you using it? Are you using it for nourishment or for pleasure? Or entertainment. Or for <laughs> entertainment, yeah. for uh, emotion, to fulfill unmet emotional needs. Mm-hmm. All those are, you know, uh, aspects of all our relationships to food. But what are your particular ones, mm. you know, and, and you want to start to be a, to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. We know bringing awareness is one of the first principles. Yes. All right. But it's the right kind of awareness because often people fall into that obsessiveness of, you know, I, I got to watch what I, what I eat and how much I weigh. And that's not a good approach because you're, you're using your ego then against you. Mm-hmm. It becomes very self-critical and always putting you down for not meeting those goals that you're setting up for yourself. Well, I can relate to that early in my, uh, when I was 16, I had um, my, I was a little curvy. I worked actually at Wendy's when I was 16. So I had those Frosties and French fries. And when I was younger, I could eat anything I wanted. But then when I, you know, started going through puberty, I started to gain a little weight and like 10 pounds, 15 pounds. And, um, and I had uh, my tonsils out. And I lost all that extra weight. And when I lost that extra weight, I got super thin. And everyone started complimenting me like, wow, Debbie, you look so great. You're so beautiful now. And like, it's just this the kind of like the culture again, that rewards positive body uh, looking a certain way. So in my early 20s, I became obsessed with keeping that weight off. So I would weigh myself every time I ate, I became really obsessed. And if I gained a pound, I would just be so hard on myself. And it was just this miserable life. And I remember thinking one day, I'm gonna have to live the rest of my life not able to enjoy food because when I eat food, I have to feel guilty and then have to diet again. And it was like, when can I just eat what I want to eat? And like, a nor- when can I be normal? And I'm sure many people can relate to that where it's like constant obsession, right? When, when is this, ride going to be over with and what shifted for me is when i started working in the city and i started to find passion in something else Mm -hmm. like i i just stopped thinking about food that's when i started to get in my natural balance so it like just dieting and weighing myself and starving myself was not going to do it and so i started to kind of recalibrate my relationship with food as not being um you know so dysfunctional where i'm starving and then <laughs> eating and making up for those times so yeah. um but the the last thing uh is that spiritual level and i think that's kind of was my first step is there's something beyond me just eating healthy and being a thin person it was like there's some meaning in life and that's where i started to look at purpose yeah, that's right. Because if we're using food to uh, subs- as a substitute for a meaningful life, that's part of that unhealthy pattern that mm-hmm. we get into. So having a purpose in life, having a deeper connection to your your own awareness, your own mind body, that's a big uh, a big way uh, a, a great way to think about yourself, uh, to relate to food. And to start making those bigger changes in your life in a creative, positive way. So, in other words, that you're not just obsessed with the mind-body, the thinking, conscious thinking, and the unconscious mind. Mm. There's this other element, a deeper part of ourselves that we're connecting with that's basically larger than this 
little machine that we're trying to live life with. That's right. And, uh, you know, if we think about fasting, fasting has been in the news recently, and, and a lot of people are practicing it, even intermittent fasting. It's very powerful, and it, it, every spiritual practice on the planet has had this practice of fasting. So if you ask why, why is, why is food connected to uh, your spiritual life? Because it is essentially the connection between mind and and body mm-hmm. spirit and matter mm-hmm. it is the way we uh, express our spirituality uh through food mm-hmm. food is all has always been connected with life abundance uh sustenance uh spiritual food mm-hmm. right or it's symbolic of our spiritual nourishment well a catholic you have the the wafer you know that you're eating the you know the breaking of the bread, the Last Supper. There's also the um, in uh, uh, Islam they have the um, fasting, re- fasting and feasting, feasting, fasting and feasting. <laughs> so both fasting and feasting are, are uh, religious and spiritual mm. practices. And so why fasting? It's because we're removing our des- our external bodily desires, and we're kind of like almost like taking. Uh, a step back and relying on God to or the divine to sustain us and so that's really like withdrawing the sense needs the sense urges to fast and uh, and the thing is we don't want to diet for the sake of having the perfect body we want to have a better healthy relationship with the world and food and and our own bodies yeah, absolutely. So the spiritual aspects of fasting, uh, it's kind of saying I'm, I'm dropping my, my typical pattern of eating for mm. a while and looking inward. Mm. So it's a purification of the mind-body. And the body, uh, biologically, when you fast, there's all this research now. What it does and how it uh, balances out the, the the body systems. Yeah, it re- resets and recalibrates the the metabolic system, mm-hmm. so that you're you're going back to factory uh, settings, <laughs> the, <laughs> the default settings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which are the body has its own wisdom, its own nature. So you're you're paying attention to it, mm. and it's like you say, the research really sh- uh, shows that. It's a great way to reset your mat- metabolic uh, pattern. Um, and it doesn't require much. Uh, you, you don't necessarily have to fast for days and days. Uh, intermittent fasting, just kind of dropping one meal. Not skipping breakfast, basically, right? Skipping breakfast or dinner uh, and doing it for, for a few days out of the week can have beneficial mm. uh, effects on your mind-body. And I also think that beyond just fasting, because that's an easy thing to do, is we really have to go to who am I? What's my purpose? Ask ourselves the deeper questions of life. Because our purpose isn't to have the perfect body or to lose the 10 pounds or to not uh, or be healthier. I mean, that's part of it. Like We do want to be healthier. We do want to avoid disease. And we know that being overweight does impact your body's health. But it's like, how do we go to the deeper reason why we're here? We're not doing it just so our body lives and is more comfortable for the remainder of our life. We want to do it 
because there's some deeper knowledge that we need to attain about ourselves and about why we're here. Absolutely. Otherwise, we're just rearranging the furniture, and I'm going to fast now because it's spiritual, and I'm going to go on this like workout program and this diet and uh, do you know these things, but it's not really addressing that deep spiritual connection. And I think once you have that, once you you satiate your spiritual hunger, you can all the other stuff is easier to do. Have you noticed that too? Like uh, when people start to find that the nourishment within with spirit that all their cravings for money, success, fame, uh, having the ideal body, uh, relationships start to, to shift. And it doesn't mean you don't have those things, but it doesn't define you like it used to. Yes. So we can see at all levels, uh, all from the biological to the, the, the spiritual, uh, our relationship with food is so important Mm -hmm. you know it it uh it impacts uh our human condition at all levels yeah so um this is food for thought no pun intended for today and uh, we will continue this series on mind body next week we're going to talk about the power of sleep which is also a big uh problem in our society of in of so many people suffer from insomnia and what we can do how to, why do we have it and how can we have better sleep and uh, be happier healthier human beings so we'll see you next week and hope you have a wonderful rest of your day thank you for joining us and don't forget to subscribe to creative mind soul sessions and join us next week as we explore another deep topic where you can consciously create your life with Creative Mind Soul Session. See you next time.